Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Squareball Podcast. To buy the Squareball magazine, get back issues and podcasts, visit thesquareball.net. On this very superstitious Squareball podcast, Simon Grayson searches for a striker to believe in. We try our luck in the transfer window and we discuss our matchday rituals in the same way, every time, without variation, because if we don't, we'll lose. Hello to you. Welcome to this very superstitious 13th Squareball podcast. And without further ado, let me welcome the usual crowd of gentlemen in the studio. Michael Normanson's here. Hello. Welcome, Moscow White. Hello there. And Oddy too. Hello. Uh, contact details, do get in touch with us. You can email us via podcast at thesquareball.net. Find us on Facebook and tweet us on Twitter at thesquareball. Right, let's turn our attention uh, straight away to the mailbag, the virtual mailbag that we have. We've received a couple of... Uh, a couple of... Uh, Males. <laughs> Males, yeah. <laughs> straight in the back. Is that what the kids are calling them these days? <laughs> we got a message from Richard Aspinall, who I think has been... Well, I know for a fact he's been in touch with us before. And he says this time, I don't know about you, but this season I've been tending to have almost zero expectation of winning games so I can enjoy watching us without the usual sickening pangs of misery and despair creeping in. That's all from me. <laughs> Keep up the podding. It's rich in London. I think it's true. I think it's something we can all sympathise with. That I've enjoyed not having the expectation there this season. It's been good. One of the good things about being in a higher league is they're, they're all a bit better than us, and, and anything else is um, <clears throat> it's just meandering small talk. <laughs> <laughs> that did come in uh, after the Forest game. Just, yeah, it came just in after a, our last pod, about an hour after we recorded, yeah, wasn't so it? That was before the Millwall game, which no doubt will come on to. Shot. Yeah, you did have more to say about the Forest game, but it feels a bit beside the point now, so we've left that out. Sorry, yeah. sorry, <laughs> sorry, Richard. <laughs> thanks for your email. And thanks to uh, Daniel Gill, who got in touch with us as well. He sent an email in saying that he'd just done uh, a square ball podcast marathon, uh, and he thought it was funny listening to the comments on our, our shit end of the season, and it was also quite funny hearing about our thoughts of, of David back then. Keep up the good work. That's us, not you, Daniel. Um, thank you. <laughs> uh, the thought of spending up to 12 hours with us, is that... Is that right? I can't spend that long with myself. <laughs> what were our thoughts on David? I I seem to recall Moscow made quite a play of him having girls' hair and possibly wearing an Alice band, or was that this oh, season? Oh, it was him coming back this year looking like a, a Renaissance poet. That was Michael's contribution. Ah, right. We're all shifting the blame around here. <laughs> Not odd he called him a... Anyway, I think we cut that part out. Right, let's get whitewatching then. Uh, the stuff that's been happening on the field in the last two weeks... 
I'm going to have to turn to all you guys because obviously I was away on my, on my jollies. I was in Portugal trying to track down Ronaldo's family to kill him. Um, I wasn't, by the way. The authorities are listening. He was. I, yeah, I was in <laughs> Portugal, so I don't, I don't know anything about any of these games. So talk to me. Right, we've got Millwall, a 3-1 win. Uh, Lloyd Sam scoring, David <coughs> Summer getting two. Uh, followed by the Leicester City League Cup defeat. Uh, 2-1 at home on Tuesday the 24th. Sommer bagging another goal as well. Quickly followed on Saturday the 28th, the last one in this uh, particular period, Watford nil, Leeds United won. And uh, Dickie Naylor bagging a goal. To make up for his own goal. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's had a high-scoring uh, fortnight. So tell me, tell, as a man who knows nothing about this last fortnight, tell me about it. It was fantastic. You missed some great games there. <laughs> it's going to be spoken about in uh, for years to come. It's a legendary period in our history. That Millwall game was the best performance I've seen from us. Probably in years, actually. I don't, I don't we maybe Tranmere aside, we were just awful last season. I've not seen us dominate a team quite like that for uh, for a long time. To say they were top of the league, we made them look like mugs, I think. I know, and to say they always beat us as well. We uh, <laughs> never, I mean, obviously they took the lead, which was ridiculous, really. Um, but yeah, we absolutely battered them. Chance after chance after chance. First half, especially with them um, housing in the <coughs> Zidane role. <laughs> it was, it was looking. Incredibly good. It was almost um, upsetting that we didn't score the seven or eight that Leeds deserved. There was a period for about ten minutes where the defence looked really ropey uh, and it just seemed more nervous than anything. Well, that's ten minutes less than at Forest, <laughs> <laughs> so we're getting there. <laughs> uh, and you could hear the crowd were almost getting on the backs, and then for some reason the crowd just sort of turned and started cheering and getting behind them. That's sort of, that. I think that lifted the team and they went on from there. The worry was that we'd not killed them off when we had the chance, really, because yeah. we, like I say, the first half we we could have gone in five one up, really. Um, and as it wore on, and you, I was just expecting them to nick it. Really, it was nice to see Kenny Jackett's miserable little gopher face on the <laughs> sideline. <laughs> well, you'd be pleased to know as well. On my holidays, I actually stayed up to uh, to watch the football league show with Manish and that lady that sits on the desk. Um, and I watched Steve Claridge. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's a very serious man, Steve Claridge, isn't he? Very serious. I think they, I think they overload him. They expect yeah. him to watch all fifty games <laughs> in the football league and have something to say about every single one. But I stayed, stayed up to watch it and fell asleep on the on the settee in the apartment we had. But uh, it was nice to stay up and watch a nice convincing victory like that. It's great when they ask him stuff and they, they ask his opinions on League Two players who he's never seen. They've just shown one clip of it and he goes, "Yeah, it was a good goal," and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I was on the callback list for their for when he had a program on Satanta and I spoke to him a couple of times and he just does not listen to his, his guests at all or not on that he didn't anyway he just like had, he, he chucked in the four and a half million pound profit which I pointed out to him had gone uh, the very same accounts that it shows the four and a half million pound profit also show it leaving and he just completely ignored the fact that I told him that and I subsequently saw him talking about it on other programmes as well so yeah but Leeds made a foreign he just doesn't want to know he doesn't want to know he's got his own opinion and that's it well this is that's what led to I think um, the Sunday newspapers after the Millwall game all uh, praising Frenchman David Sommer for his uh, his match winning performance I think that's just lazy the Sun Star even proper newspapers that's really lazy they all let him down as French Um, (laughs) Um, no, he's South African. I've done. Um, I actually did. I guess I thought we should do some research on, on just you for the. Just to, let's just paint a pitch here for the listeners. There's, just, you've got uh, a notepad in front of you. Flicking through my notepad to the. Scribblings. It looks like the diaries in seven. To like. the Davide, uh, Davide summer section. Here is apparently his uh, his daddy was rich, and um, it also says here his mother. His mum. His mum was good looking. So that's what we know about uh, 
the be- Where have you done that research? Song. That's not on Wikipedia. <laughs> Please don't tell me you used Wikipedia for research. No, I, we I, would never do such a thing. Apparently, you'll find him in the Great American Songbook. <laughs> okay, skipping forward to the Leicester game, then um, a, re- a return to uh, a return to form almost in that we conceded a late horrible defeat of a goal. It was we, we spoke last time about it being a bit of a pain in the ass of a draw that we didn't really want. Um, are we bothered about going out of this competition? Nah, I was almost I was almost relieved when they got a penalty at the end. <laughs> I thought I'm going to have to stay for extra time. And given that they've drawn, since drawn Portsmouth away, oh, yeah, I'm quite I'm quite glad we're out of it. To be perfectly honest, it was useful to get. I mean, we got Summer to have a, a full game and another goal. Gradle came back and looked as um, spectacularly mental as he ever was. Because <laughs> I mean, there was a point he had one run. I think it was in the second half where he actually got fouled by the corner flag, but rather than play for the free kick, he just got up, got the ball and beat three more players. With the um, corner flag. <laughs> <laughs> um, the only downside is he still doesn't seem to know what um, passing the ball is, is about, but um, he'll win us a lot of penalties if he, uh, when he plays. Yeah, worth noting as well that we were a bit weakened for the game, like we rested Watt and Schmeichel, who've been probably our two best players this season. So Grayson obviously wasn't taking it as seriously as, uh, as the league. Bruce came in as well, didn't he? How did he, uh, how did he shape up? Um, he did all right. It, we still didn't look especially solid, I don't think. Um, I mean, it was more the midfield looked a bit soft rather than the defence. Um, and then it was Collins and Johnson were at fault for the two goals. But. I mean, in midfield, Watt was doing a lot of the stuff to get us attacking against Millwall, especially in the first half. I think he had like three chances that were not great chances, but he was really doing a lot of... He was... Doing a lot of football. <laughs> um, you should you should go for a job on Sky Sport. <laughs> this lad's doing a lot of football. I bet it'd be ITV, uh, wouldn't it, about that standard? Yeah. Um, just, Did you see Richard Keyes the other day suggesting a penalty has got easier to save? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I think they covered it on the Guardian, Guardian podcast. Guardian I think they mentioned podcast. it, yeah. Saying uh, he, went, he went to Andy Gray. A penalty has got easier to save. And just went, no. <laughs> what are you talking about, Richard? <laughs> A ridiculous question from the hairiest man on. <laughs> oh, what about um, the return of Sky's Monday Night Football as well? MNF, as it's now being termed. I was thinking we should rebrand this as TSB P. Maybe he's got all these gadgetry, hasn't he? As Andy Gray, and he's—I uh, don't think he really knows how to work it. He's like my dad on the internet. Well, they're just broadcasting pornography on Monday Night. <laughs> That'd be worth a look. Yeah, moving swiftly on. Uh, Watford, we went there. Boring. Yeah, uh, it was a dreadful game, but uh, Richard Naylor bagged himself... Heroic. <laughs> bagged himself an early goal, and we rode it out somewhat, didn't we, by the sounds of the the reports? Naylor's had some stick, and but, the goal is useful, especially after... I think, um, especially since the Millwall goal was clearly all Aunt Bessie's fault at left-back. Um <laughs> So um, from, even if you just sticked it in from two yards, it was not, he, he ran away with a, a, a face of iron as if he was shoving so it to his... So you sticked it in from two yards? <laughs> well, <laughs> I've, I've been watching a lot of lacrosse lately. Um, um, so that was good, and then the rest of it was just a matter of... It felt to me like, if you remember... Um, let me take you back to the last three seasons in Division 3 where we come up against these awful teams and just get dragged down to their level. felt a bit like that happened with Watford where... We just ended up playing playing their brand of um, of rubbish. <laughs> well, one of the one of the encouraging things to come out of the Watford game was um, 
a good defensive performance from Collins and Naylor, who've, you know, the defence has taken a bit of stick. First away clean sheet since yeah. the 12th of December. I've got it written down here. That was a turgid game as well for Brentford. <laughs> <laughs> but we need those because it led to God, did we really six points from six. Away. We did, and we didn't win. Oh, they're, they're at the bottom of League One, I think, aren't they, as well? With one point. We're in the playoffs now, anyway, after that. Let's call it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. End of the season. Knocking on the head now. <laughs> no, I think we're, we're higher up than I expected us to be after uh, after the last podcast, so can't complain, really. Six points from six. It's good. And we got the League Cup defeat, but no one's that bothered. We've got um, one star striker scoring three goals in two, immediately replaced by a, another star striker that we signed for to replace him. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come on to the uh, the striker signings, but just quickly, how did how did McCormack acquit himself? Do we know? Was it the 20 minutes that he had? He, didn't he, um, he have a chance one-on-one with the keeper or something? The keeper took it off him. Yeah, it was one not especially good chance, and there was one bit of play. I think he played in Bradley Johnson, um, who blazed it over the bar. Well, imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Unusual decision from uh, from Bradley. <laughs> I think they said to him in training, just don't shoot, Bradley. We, we, well, we touched clearly. on it, didn't we, when we were at Forest Lab? People saying, don't shoot. Unless there's some Indian betting scandal. <laughs> yeah. uh, How many times can Bradley Johnson put it in Rosehead? <laughs> he always just goes for power as well. Yeah. He just—he seems to be obsessed with like scoring some Yeboah-esque wonder goal. But if you just went for a little bit of placement, sometimes it's free kicks as well. You know, when you stood over it, you're just fully expecting it to hurt someone in the wall, and that's about it. Uh, that's the thing I'm just thinking about. That red uh, Kenny Jacket wasn't he being a complete tosser about the the Millwall game? He was indeed, but completely ungracious about. Yes, it. he mentioned that it was our cup final, <laughs> which uh, we won. Then yes, we so, won the cup. Yes, brilliant. brilliant. Bring it on. <laughs> Nicely, did they make it for us? We won the Bermondsey Bowl. I've got, I've got a vision of three lager cans glued together on a on a on a plinth. Maybe they handed that over with a nail through it. Yeah, presented yeah. by a, a skinhead with tattoos. Tattoos. Yeah. Did he honestly really? How? I don't know how he works that out. What mm-hmm. What's the logical sequence that gets you to the idea that Leeds versus Millwall is a cup final for? I wouldn't even have thought it was a cup final for them. Just a game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if that was our cup final, then at least we can look forward to loads more easier games this season. Then. Yeah, Leeds yeah. don't win cup finals. Jackets clearly got that uh, got that mixed up. <laughs> anyone anyone would think he just made it up. Jackets should get his coat. Hey. Okay. Oh. Tumbleweed. Right, let's talk now then about the stuff that's been happening in the last fortnight off the field. Um, as we record this, the transfer deadline shut only minutes ago. The drama. Yeah. Oh, God, I, Sky Sports News was absolutely insufferable this afternoon, especially in high definition. You know, Jim White, <laughs> the Scottish shouty fella. Oh, my, he's just been intolerable. And something's happened <laughs> in football. It's somebody buying somebody. I like Sky Sports News, it serves a purpose, but on days like today it can become very annoying. They've been doing the countdown, I fully expected the world to end at 6pm when their ominous clock on the screen was ticking down to the end of time and existence as we know it. But anyway, we signed uh, Ross McCormack. <laughs> we got that well under the window. Yeah. Well, yeah, so we got that in a few days ago, didn't we? Um, fee thought to be as little as 350000 maybe. Maybe slightly more. Who knows? Um, bolsters the attacking options. Is this the end for uh, for Mikey Pound Camp Grilla? This is the question I pose to you. So first of all, what do we make of the signing? Very good. I think for that sort of price, he was 
being touted around for 10 times that um, not long ago when Portsmouth and Hull were interested in him. £10 camp. Obviously, obviously, <laughs> obviously Portsmouth wouldn't have actually paid it. They'd have just had it on their uh, enormous list of, of debtors. But yeah, I think I think if he's um, as good as we could hope for, really. I mean, 350 grand is actually quite a lot for us. It's amazingly cheap for him. Yeah. So perfect bit of Leeds United so business. So congratulate the board for being a set of skinflints, but quite effectively being skinflints. Depends if he's any good. <laughs> uh, I'll reserve the right to still chuck rotten eggs at them if he turns out to be another uh, Sam Vokes. I'm, I'm going to be honest as well, because I've got no real interest in... In Leeds United? In, no, in, in, in the... Other step up than... Should we leave? What I was going to say was, I I've got no real interest in Coca-Cola Championship players. I find the whole thing a bit dull. You know, I'm not interested in Premier League players either. I probably but, have interest. I wouldn't have been in it for five years. But I don't, what I'm saying to you is I, I don't really know that much about Ross McCormack um, as it goes. One Cardiff fan described him as the most underrated player at their club, um, which is, considering they just signed Craig Bellamy at that point, it's probably the most overrated player in them. In the world, Football. yeah, yeah. Watch him tear as a new one, though. <laughs> I think Craig Bellamy is quite good, actually. Yeah, I hate him, but I, mm, I can't mm. deny. I think he's quite a good player. I'm hoping that Naylor remembers um, how he dealt with Wayne Rooney. <laughs> Bring some of that to the table. He's it, pissing me off, actually. All the congratulatory shit about Craig Bellamy being going back to his hometown club and stuff because he wouldn't go near him if Man City weren't continuing to pay him, if they'd let him go his enormous wage. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Or, or had allowed him to go to a better club and now it's been spun as in oh, he wants to come home and all this stuff. What he, bloody hero. Yeah. Mm. Going, oh, going home. I mean, I, I, Cardiff's horrible, yeah, but I'd go there for 95 grand a week, probably. <laughs> and the annoying thing about that was how was, someone said it was immediately paid for by... Um, the shirt sales made up the 20 grand a week or whatever it is the Cardiff are paying of his wages. So uh, that's all right. And as long as the uh, the poor folk of Cardiff immediately came to the stadium and ponied up the money necessary <laughs> to keep him in, to top up his 70 grand a week wage. It doesn't bode well, does it? No, no. not really. Um, Meanwhile, Ross McCormack... Yeah, just returning to the question then, is this, <coughs> is this the end for, for Mike Griller or is it is it now just a signal that he's going to go out on loan and maybe get some experience, see if he's actually capable of cutting it maybe in the division below? He could go out on loan and turn out to be absolutely fantastic and we've we've missed out all these years and we don't need McCormack, and, but no, but he's fade away. Well, we're still paying him, so we might as well make use of him and possibly get somebody to pay some of his wages. Um, one thing to come out of the McCormack transfer... It obviously broke publicly uh, days before we actually signed him that the agent was, I don't know if he, he went public on it, didn't he? We obviously probably under instructions not to do so. Um, worth mentioning that the agent is Willie McKay, or Mackay, um, and that's the fella who brought us loads of strange Frenchmen, didn't he, when Peter Reid was manager. Um, I don't know what the agreement was there. I'm treading very carefully around this. He has sued people before. From a legal <laughs> point of view, yeah. But he brought us like Lamine Sacco, and who was the centre-half, was it? Camera Kamara. Yeah, Zumana yeah, Kamara. That's the guy, yeah. There's a pretty much a whole chapter about him in the book, uh, Tom Bower's book, Broken Dreams, which I've not read in a while, and as he does like suing people, <laughs> I'm not going to try and remember exactly what it is. But he's been involved in a few things with Harry Redknapp and um, that, those kind of characters. Yeah, he was uh, arrested at the same time as Harry Redknapp, wasn't he, and Peter Story and Milan Mandarich, all... You know, lovely stand-up fellas in the world of football. Did you hear Harry Redknapp's little sweary rant, by the way? Oh, yeah. He's, he I'm not a fucking wheeler dealer, I'm a fucking football manager, he said or something. Off, uh, as the Sky man went, oh, oh no, Harry, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't mean that. I'm sorry, Mr Redknapp, sorry, Mr Redknapp. The media still loves you, honest. <laughs> but he was, he was arrested at the same time, was it McKay, McKay? Um, 
Monaco based, which I'm surprised Ken doesn't know him then because he lives in Monaco. Hence the the, the French. The big crosswords in the casino when that went public. Yeah, over a glass of Puyli Fumé. Um, but he was involved in the Premier League bong scandal, wasn't he? But he was ultimately exonerated. Probably worth saying that. Uh, but he was, he was <laughs> probably worth repeating. That. Yeah, yeah. He, but he was punished and warned over the Benjani thing when he was representing two different clubs at the same time. Over, I can't remember exactly what happened, so I'm not even going to. <laughs> go any further down this path let's just say he won some libel damages from the Daily Express wasn't, um, there. what kind of Avram... a transfer window has this been actually without any Benjani stories he goes somewhere every transfer window <laughs> he has hasn't he has he oh, has he I don't know he, normally he's like he's linked with everyone wasn't Avram Grant punished and warned in that he has place to be. he's going to in there <laughs> <laughs> he's paying for it in uh, Portsmouth Backstreet, anywho, possibly <laughs> Allegedly, let's put the big. No, that was true. All right, all right, not allegedly. Filthy man. <laughs> and he's encouraged in it by his wife. Yeah. That's also true. That is true. What's um, also true is what we we're talking about. Lamine Sacco. It's the last sort of him. He's gone to. He was at Wrexham last season. He was sent off for um, headbutting two players consecutively. It's fantastic to watch. <laughs> yeah. Well, he just gets into a bit of a tiz with one of them, and one of them runs at him, so he headbutts him. Another one comes up, says, "What was that?" So he headbutts him as well. Brilliant. Sounds like the kind of calming influence Max Gradle needs <laughs> to. Uh... Uh, so Grayson said a few days back they still want one or two more in the squad. This was off the back of the Watford victory. Uh, we might have found those one or two. Uh, we signed Adam Clayton. Let's not do any YouTube ones this time. I thought you, I thought you were in the, on the in the process of doing one then when you said if we found what we're looking for. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean it. I'm sorry, everyone. I mean, you may say it's been a boring transfer window. I think it's been a beautiful day. Anyway, <laughs> so he signed Adam Clayton on a permanent uh, from Manchester City. Also joining him, trialist Ramon Nunes, Honduran international. So we seem to have a lot of midfielders now. Uh, what does this mean for our midfield? Are we going to go six in midfield? It's, it's an option. I'd be worried if I was Bradley Johnson, because he's not had a great start, and now there's... Two more people who can play in this position. Although he might go to left back, you never know. But I think the word with Nunes is he's come on a. Um, described it as a very short term deal. Um, I'm not sure if it's the end of the season or it might, or if it's even as week. far as January. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> um, Grayson says it's a chance to prove himself in English football. So it's not. I don't think we're betting the farm on him being uh, particularly our saviour or anything. But no doubts there'll be um, a lot of expectation. Just Have you not seen that YouTube compilation? It well, brilliant. exactly. <laughs> well, you know, players have been signed on less, haven't they? Graham Souness and Ali Dia. Bebe, the Man U one. Was he, was he signed on? Well, it, didn't even watch Cal- him. Yeah, Carlos Queiroz said he was good and Ferguson yeah. paid £7 million for him. And now he can't get in the reserve team. Do you think if, if I had a word <laughs> that maybe they'd sign me and give me some money? Please, I just need some money. Is that why you went on holiday to Portugal? <laughs> yeah, don't explain the homeless World Cup. Please <laughs> sign me, Mr Queiroz. Um... Somebody else who has been on trial with the club. Again, let's... God, I'm, I'm, the libel alarm is sounding <laughs> in my head again. Um, let's try and report the facts. Uh, Callum Davenport being on trial with the club, possibly looking to sign him, bring him in, if his legs still work. Shall we tell him the backstory? Uh, carefully. That, yeah, very carefully. That him and his mother were stabbed at his mother's house. Was she stabbed? She fell victim to a crime at her house. <laughs> he was stabbed in the legs. Lost... <laughs> I don't know, this is not funny. <laughs> Why are you all laughing? Uh, lost half the blood in his body. Um, he was subsequently charged with assault on his sister, but the charges were dismissed in court in July this year. Uh, one from the Lee Bowyer School of Diplomacy, then. We, have we got any choice quotes of stuff that was established in court that he said to his sister? Or No. 
<laughs> Not at all. Was she pregnant at the time, or...? Yes. Right. Um, an awkward silence falls off the podcast as we, as we contemplate being sued into oblivion. Um, Good player, though. Yeah, well, he'd, he'd bring some Premier League quality, wouldn't he, if, uh, if they can get him fit, and uh, and he's up to it now. Obviously, you don't... Well, well it, it can't it, help being stabbed in both legs. No. I imagine it's not ideal. No, as a particularly as a footballer, yeah. As long as that doesn't happen again. <laughs> Let's hope. <laughs> we should probably just say, Callum Davenport is training with Leeds United. I'm pleased to hear that. Yeah. That's a smashing that's, piece of news. It's, it's Let's good. hope he's fit and well and can turn out in the white shirt soon. Former Premier League player who's had a tough time lately um, and is looking to regain fitness at his new club. Super, that should see us through the... Uh... <laughs> Through court, yeah. Let's move on from uh, from Callum Davenport. Let's just say we'll watch it with interest and we will comment only on footballing matters in the future. Um, uh, so that's the people coming in through the Thorpe Arch entrance door, making their exit. Uh, we've said goodbye to uh, Alan Sheehan. Looks like we've paid his contract up. Another great, another great deal there. And he's returned to Swindon on a one-year contract. Um, no signs as yet of uh, Andy Robinson having gone. He's turning into our Winston Bogard, isn't he? Hanging around for ages. Was it Bogard who used to live in Holland and, and fly, fly in. into Chelsea training? Yeah. yeah. Wow. And then bugger off back. A season ticket on EasyJet. Also leaving, Lubo has gone up to uh, Carlisle, the Possod, until January. Mm. He didn't deserve that. That deal doesn't really work for anybody because I can't imagine they're paying all of his hefty wages and when they finish not paying all of his hefty wages, they're sending him back. So it's a bit of a... Isn't I'd rather he just followed Sheehan, go and ruin Swindon's team from joined the old boys' club. I feel Lucas a bit sorry Douglas. for Lubo. I don't know why. Well, yeah, I know what you mean. Nothing really against him. I'm just bored of having them constantly here. What's <laughs> <laughs> so new like, stuff? So <laughs> they want new players, they want signings. We've signed enough now. We must have signed an entire team nearly. Have we got ten oh, so far, or eleven? Grayson was still talking this afternoon about the icing on the cake before the deadline closing, which... question is, who's the cake? Whoever the cake is, he's pretty uniced at the moment because it's, yeah. it's gone seven o'clock now. Well, it's got to be lo- now. loans then, hasn't it? Good um, old loans. Good old loans. We'll look forward, that's what we can discuss in a couple of weeks is uh, the loan market. In the vein of transfers then, agents' fees, that statement uh, was released uh, this last couple of weeks and Leeds paid just short of £336,000 to agents in the uh, in the 12-month period incorporating last season. Um, Sean Harvey stating on the website that it was under £100,000 that was paid to agents acting on the club's behalf and that the remainder could, and I quote, in many ways be viewed as part of their overall remuneration package rather than a club payment to an agent. Meanwhile, in the very same report, the statement on the official site, there was a link to a report on the Football League website entitled Agents Fees. I mean, it's like, how do you want to spin it? Yeah, how do you separate payment? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Numeration package and fees. Synonyms. <laughs> I, think, I think Harvey assumes that nobody in Leeds United's fan base has a thesaurus. So we are. We're, we're the third highest in that table, I think, we were in the division, which is not too bad. It's to be expected, really, I would say, for a team that buys as many players as we do and pays fairly high wages. I would have expected it, really. So you look at under a quarter of a million on incoming players uh, on agents' fees. It's not... Given we had a couple of fairly high-profile loanees like McSheffrey and... Vokes, I'd, I'd probably expect it really. We always sit around demanding new players, and then when we see the agents' fees, we always kick up a fuss. So it is a bit <laughs> typical football fan behaviour. Well, what do you think, Steve Claridge? <laughs> <laughs> In other final bit of news to come out this last fortnight was uh, us getting charged. It was a, probably a Sky TV influenced decision because it was on the telly against Forest, failing to ensure that our players conducted themselves in an orderly fashion. That was when uh, that Gunter fella stamped on Sanchez what um, the result of all this of course being Forrest were fined £12,500 uh, Gunter received a three match ban and we were fined the minimum £7,500 I, I dispute that our players did not conduct themselves in an orderly fashion I think if they hadn't Gunter wouldn't have walked off the pitch um, I thought they were quite restrained in the circumstances <coughs> Well, Matt Gradle had been waiting for him at the edge of the pitch. Well, Batting his hand, <laughs> tapping his other hand. It's probably a relief he wasn't playing. It does seem a bit unfair because our players didn't do anything too out of order from what I saw. They just kind of... Reacted to a stamping. Reacted to a stamping that the ref had failed to deal with. And there was a, they were understandably not happy about it, but I don't think we really did anything out of order. Um, at least they have had a player ban for it because that's the sort of thing that seems to happen to us, yeah, to well, us all the time. Well, but um, Beckford was banned against Millwall for the elbow, wasn't he, mm, last year? Mm. We, that was really dubious because the ref had booked him already, hadn't he? And then he made up some crap in his report saying it wasn't for the elbow. He'd booked him for something else. Pushing or something, yeah. Yeah, and then that meant he was able to cite it afterwards, which is absolute bollocks. And he clearly just seen the TV pictures of it and thought, oh, I better do something about and, that. And overlooked a bit where the Millwall keeper twatted him first. Yeah. But with this being the 13th Square Ball podcast, we, we felt it was only appropriate to deal with... A sort of a, a number 13 theme, like we'll deal with famous number 13s or superstitions, anything like Reserve that. Reserve goalkeepers of our time. Yes, indeed. I mean, what a fascinating topic. I'd, um, I had a lot of notes about Mark Beanie, but I will save them <laughs> for another time. <laughs> um, the only thing I've got for this um, is that I used to wear the same underpants um, to Leeds home matches, um, but that stopped as soon as my mum stopped doing my washing for me. Describe them. <laughs> Are you wearing them now? Um, yeah. <laughs> Stopped when I was about age twelve or something. But that was all. I, that was my only superstition. Stop doing your washing when you were twelve. <laughs> yeah. That's harsh. 
Maybe not. That might be a lie. Was that what? Was that her superstition? It's, yeah. ba- it's bad luck if I 13, do your wash. If you do your 13, yeah. <laughs> it's bad luck to touch those skanky undies. The only yeah. thing I will do, I never wear football shirts to football matches, if I can help it. Neither do I. I've got a couple of lucky football shirts I wear, though, the vomit kit, because that was because I scored when I was uh, 12. An incredible left foot volley that... Uh, it's just uh, sold, Never repeated. <laughs> it sold in off of the uh, the branch of the tree that we were using as a goalpost, and it was. Uh, and from then on, I thought that that was my lucky shirt. No matter every defeat after defeat after defeat, still wake up in the morning and think, "Oh, we need a winter day. Maybe I'll put my lucky shirt on." That's the old thing with lucky people have lucky things, which they generally fail to be lucky to <laughs> over and over again. But people still consider them lucky things. Yeah, it's called OCD, I think. <laughs> <laughs> my smiley badge, however. Um, that I had a little coffer, sort of classic 70s, silver and uh, blue gilt smiley badge that I used to wear all the time. And it broke um, around the time of, um, just before the Valencia game, Champions League run. And the, uh, the little pin snapped off the back and uh, coincided with our, uh, our demise. And I've tried to replace it because the pins keep snapping off the back of those things. They're very shoddily made. And I've got one now and um, got it just in time for the promotion from Division 3 but I, I do sometimes look at I've still got the broke, the original broken one and think it wasn't Lee Bowie's fault <laughs> all that it wasn't Peter Ridsdale that caused it that badge Don Reavy obviously is where it was the arch superstition the, the, the master of superstition the ground zero of superstition what? it was his dark blue suit his lucky mohair that he wore and um, I've, this is I read over the weekend this book that's come out called Promised Land um, that Anthony Clavain has written, which is uh, The Reinvention of Leeds United. It's a decent book, full review in the Squareball magazine out for the Swansea game. Um, and he has a good section about um, Don Reavy's superstitions. We can list them in uh, as Anthony Clavain was. You can see me here flicking through the uh, the pages. A <laughs> um, scroll notebook. We start, we start with the suits, and he draws attention to the fact that he was still worn even when a great big hole appeared in the trousers. We had him always walking the same route to the dugout. He actually misses out him always walking to... Um, he's got the lamppost at the end of Elland Road, and if you've ever seen the film of that, it brings home just sort of how pointless all this stuff was because it's in this marching to this lamppost, walking around it, marching back again, and it's like, right, now we can get on with uh, with playing against Liverpool. Um <laughs> He wouldn't go back through the door of his house in the morning if he'd left something behind. He stopped the wives and girlfriends of the players wearing red or green dresses. He used to rub ornamental elephants that sat on his mantelpiece. He was influenced by a psychic mother-in-law's predictions, um, interpreting one of her dreams about a barrel spilling out red apples as a sign that Liverpool would beat Leeds, which they did. Um, and it, it went on to the players then. Terry Cooper dreamed about scoring the winner against Arsenal in the League Cup final. And he did. Um, Bremner would give Reeve his wedding ring before every game. Big Jack would always run out last. Um, Reaney would always be third, coming out of the tunnel. How Hun- did they ever get to play matches? Hunter <laughs> had to give the ball to Bremner before they went out. Sprake always had a massage from Les Cocker, which, don't blame him, really. That's, <laughs> that's the one sort of understandable in, uh, in all this. And uh, Johnny Giles always used to put on his jockstrap, socks, boots, shirt and shorts in that order. Which, if you get, imagine him just getting to the end of that, where he's got everything on apart from his undercrackers, it's a little bit. Um, <laughs> um, so the, they were all doing all that kind of stuff when perhaps, I mean, Reavy had do- dossiers for them to be worrying about rather than all this, 
all this to be going on with, and then it, it culminated in um, the gypsy curse. And there was the owl getting rid of the owl from the badge because it was unlucky. Birds were unlucky, yeah. yeah. Even though he put the owl on there and the, himself. <laughs> Look at Liverpool with that live bird. Never won anything. <laughs> <coughs> and um, yeah, the gypsy curse, which all came about apparently from a letter from a fan in pre-season that claimed that gypsies used to live at Elland Road. And they put a hex on it. Still do sometimes. Have you seen the, uh, the fair? <laughs> no, Robbie Savage didn't stay overnight. He went back to Derby after the game, and it's he was probably uh, worth saying that we're referring to travelling community. Uh, yes, we. Well, I don't know. Rose Lee called herself Gypsy Rose Lee. Um, by the looks of things, uh, a native of Blackpool who uh, stood in the middle of the pitch, scratched the grass, and threw some uh, seeds down. Then she urinated over every corner flag and said, "Now you can start winning things again." Right. Yeah. That, that's the sort of thing that get you a banning order these days, I think. It's no wonder, then, that Leeds United fans tend a little to the, the superstitious, given what we had to put up with. But it's not like we've been massively unlucky or massively lucky. We've kind of had a... Oh, we've been a... I think we're an unlucky club. Really? Look, yeah, look at how much stuff we should have won in the 70s and how much we actually won. And we've been... I mean, it wasn't unlucky. It was bent refs on a couple of major <laughs> European finals, but... Um, and also the obviously the famous West Brom one as well. But I'd say I'd say we've been unlucky as, yeah. a, as a whole. Perennial runners up. Has Billy was it Billy Brenner's autobiography that was called? You get, you get now, now for, for coming, coming second. second. Yeah, you get now for being. But unlucky. you get the Champions League a million millions of pounds these days, so it's not strictly true. Mm. Well, these, he, these are the times we live in. <laughs> and he, he did write the book in 1972, wasn't he? <laughs> so expecting him to, he didn't get into a DeLorean. <laughs> and there was the kits as well. Don River changing the kits that they played in. Well, the red one. Yeah, was that not more of... I said that changing to the white kit was, was that not a superstitious thing, but he just wanted to emulate Real Madrid as well, yeah. didn't he? And but then he put a bird on it, took a bird off. We had a red away kit, then we didn't have a red away kit. Well, did he say the red away kit was unlucky? When Did he ever tell you that as you were you no, were discussing tactics no, before? The... one as well. Right. That's, yes, which we only wore once, because we lost. Is that true? Which I found out at the weekend. Gosh, you did. You were there, weren't you? <laughs> I had one. <laughs> All the pictures are in black and white, but uh... is that true? Did we play in orange? Never knew that. I never knew that. What was the thinking with the red thing? Why? Why did that come into play in the first place? Because it's not a uh, it's not a colour that's synonymous with the city or with Leeds United. Or... I think in them days nobody really gave a toss. It was just as long as they didn't clash. More than I mean, they didn't sell them, so it wasn't like um, awake. It's it wasn't what? Wasn't revenue? No, it wasn't like you know. This is an, another way you can be part of the greats. Um, Leeds United is just we need something that doesn't clash with Tottenham. You can, you know as well. It's an absolute knocking bet when um, the centenary comes around, be it nineteen ninety, uh, twenty nineteen rather, or twenty twenty, whichever they choose to do it with. There'll be a special limited edition one-off historical kit. Let's just hope it's not the first kit that we had like Arsenal, because we'd have to have a Huddersfield kit then, wouldn't we? Wouldn't wouldn't be happy not having that. No. What about the blue and gold halves? I think that would work nicely, you know, like we had for the away shirt. They'll probably bring out one of each. It was a good away shirt, was that, actually? Yeah. I was, I was a big fan of that. Could never yeah, wear it against one. anybody, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, so, well, we've managed to get more wear out of the blue kit this season than I thought we would. I think, was it twice? That's, that's not bad going. <laughs> Three, if you count wearing it at home. That's cheating. Yeah, we put this out to uh, to Twitter as well, didn't we, earlier on today? Um, just asking if people have superstitions or, or rituals connected to following leads and then some interesting ones coming in people showing some of their uh well ocd tendencies and 
strange behaviours. One of Lorimer's, uh, my mate used to drive over a Mars bar before every game. He did it once accidentally and we won, so he repeated the ritual. And has it worked every time since? That's the question, isn't it? That's a lot of Mars bars to get through in, a, in the course of a season. I hope it was the fun-sized ones. It's just wasteful otherwise. <laughs> I think... Um, Michael Sells perhaps takes the um, OCD award because it looks like um, wherever he is, he says he shouts Leeds, Leeds, Leeds and does the Leeds salute whenever the clock reads 1919. He describes it as a delightful habit of mine. As long as you're not at, a, at somebody's wake at 20 past seven. Um, Just going in the theatre. <laughs> yeah. I presume he means 1919 on the stadium clock or... I take it to mean he means everywhere. <laughs> Ruins Emmerdale every night. <laughs> That's a good one from uh, She Saw Stars as well. I have to wear the same colour nail varnish for match day. It's very girly, I know. Is that my dad? No. No, no well, um, she, <laughs> she Saw Stars' other one says, I, I take a little Lucas Radaby toy figure to every game. Um, that's reminded me of last season. I have, a, I have a little Corinthian of Lucas Radaby because he's one of the few players that, that deserves being um, uh, commemorated in miniature statuette form. And because during the Tranmere game um, that I listened to on the radio, we performed so well, and I just happened to have drunk half a bottle of Bushmills <laughs> as I was listening to it on the radio. And um, I, I got carried away thinking that might be a, a, a positive way to G up our season. I can't remember who we played on the Saturday, but it was a. Um, I wonder a, why. <laughs> it was a vital game, and I, uh, I, I set that up by. Made, I made a little shrine where I, I, lit, a, I lit a candle next to um, my Lucas Radaby figurine, and then. Uh, <laughs> Um, started necking what a bizarre life you live. started necking whiskey um, what did the other people in the shelter make of this <laughs> um, and I was actually when I when I came round from my drunken stupor I was quite relieved that we'd lost because that's an expensive superstition <laughs> if you're going to buy a bottle of Bushmills Black before every single every single match <laughs> Mr. 603 uh, chips in with a contribution. I don't clap the team until the last player in the starting 11 has crossed the line. That's a classic Reeve-esque one, isn't mm. it? It's very specific. I, I think the best one we received, definitely from Gigi Barlow. This deserves an award in itself. And it just says, if he's there in time, I always rub Michael Normanton's head before kickoff. I don't know if it works, but I always do it. He does. <laughs> I didn't even realise it was a superstition. I thought he just liked the feel. <laughs> but I've got a nice, uh, a nice sh- I normally shave my head first thing on a Saturday morning as well. Uh, it's, uh, a little ritual. It might be, uh, and it's, it does it does have quite a nice, uh, quite a nice feel to it. So <laughs> <laughs> he seems to enjoy it. The erection's a bit off-putting, but <laughs> <laughs> mine and his. are yours. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the um, that's the Twitter contributions. Anybody else dug up any more bizarre superstitions from the world of football? Mm-hmm. On head-related ones, there's the, the classic <laughs> Fabian Bartes and uh, Lauren Blanc one. Um, but I think I've, Gigi will have a plan to kiss. He might have done it at some point, you know. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but I, everyone sort of knows about the, the head-kissing one with France, but I also discovered that there are other superstitions on that World Cup campaign. We're sitting on the same seats in the team bus and listening to Gloria Gaynor's hit, I Will Survive. She's <laughs> a very camp traditions, kissing. Kissing with a shaven head, though. Yeah. can just imagine them romping around the dressing room to the communards or something before each game. Bit of erasure. It's a superstition we've got to. <laughs> Mainly I just think of self, self-indulgent ones like Paul Ince wanting to be putting his shirt on as he comes out of the tunnel and stuff like that, which I think sometimes is just drawing attention to yourself, which that's, that sort of superstition just annoys me. Just like that new... superstition is just wanting to like a cock. Yeah, he just screams tosser. I yeah. imagine that it's Paul Ince. <laughs> the... Mexican Manu player as well have you seen he does this kneeling down on the halfway line 
praying, praying thing. To the sun but he's just, I just hope someone kicks his face off one time when he does it. <laughs> You're not very tolerant towards religious people. <laughs> just do it in your own time. Have, have a little prayer in the dressing room if you want one. That was like um, when Uriah Rennie used to do those uh, kung fu warm ups when he was before he refed the game. I don't know if that was a superstition or if that was just getting him just looking like a tit on the pitch. Um, another thing that some of these do need to be done in the safety of your own home. John Terry's got loads as well when you talk about tossers, just generally. Um, and one of them includes listening to the same Usher CD. Imagine, you know, I, I would never have guessed that a Premier League footballer in this day and age would like commercial R&B. Yeah, another one I found just just purely uh, pure Google research was a, of a Zimbabwean team with a really catchy name, Midlands Portland Cement is the team <laughs> name. Um, like Total Network Solutions. Yeah, that kind of danced in the streets of Midlands, <laughs> Portland, Cement. Um, yeah, they're, they're on a bad run of form and the manager sent them into the river to cleanse the bad spirits and one of them drowned. <laughs> that surprises all that cement on his face. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's and, unfortunate. And they did lose the next game as well, as you would expect. From the distant recesses of my mind, I remember, was they're not? It was, I think it was in Africa somewhere, that one team were struck by lightning or something like that and... Which... I'm not sure that was a superstition of theirs. <laughs> I think that what resulted may have Summon been... Summon the uh... god Thor before every match. And stand under a tree. Gary Lineker had his one as well of not wanting to score any goals in the warm-up because he thought he'd, it was wasting a goal. He thought if he scored him, it'd be, he'd have a limited amount of goals right. and, uh, and would use them up. I bet he cuts his pizza into more slices as well. <laughs> <laughs> so he can have a double. It makes it last longer. <laughs> Yeah, the thing about all these superstitions is they don't really work, do you? Because do they? Because unless you win every game, then there's no point in indulging in these rituals. And people always convince themselves that when a, when a, a defeat will come round, they'll change. They'll get a new one. They'll do whatever they did differently that day. But never do. Just driving over the same old Mars bar, <laughs> <laughs> stroking the same old bald head. Sounds very of <laughs> a euphemism. Driving over the Mars bar. <laughs> Right, let's have a look at what's coming up in the next couple of weeks, stretching the boundaries of the next couple of weeks a little bit, uh, because we'll incorporate the Swansea and the Barnsley games into this uh, mini preview. Um, next podcast would be out in advance of Barnsley, but because we've got this stupid international window, we're going to have to squeeze another one in. There was a shocking decision that Capello overlooked Housen again. <laughs> so what do we think is coming up for this next couple of weeks? A couple of weeks for um, McCormack to bed in, Clayton as well. Uh, get a couple of players who might be, you know, not going to be carrying knocks at this stage of the season, but just a bit of bit of boy time. We've gotten out to fear from either of these loser teams, so um, I'm hoping <laughs> 12 points out of 12 by the time we're coming uh, back four wins in a row. Neither of them look. Swansea, um, Swansea, although they beat Tranmere in the League Cup, did you see who scored for Tranmere? Enoch, yes. Enoch Shawumni. Big Enoch. So um, you've got to fancy one of our good strikers to... Uh, to, but then they're a bit of a funny lot because, well, they're managed by a guy who looks like a smash alien and um, and they managed to hammer Preston. So one of these flim-flam championship sides. But It can't continue to go well without some sort of massive reality check, can it? On a similar theme, though, did you see who scored against Barnsley in the Cup? No. Anthony Eldin. Really? It's, like, it's almost... We're almost going back to the superstition territory. Yeah. I think the witches are summoning dark forces. <laughs> yeah, nothing to fear from Swansea and Barnsley. So one of them is going to be a horrible, horrible defeat. Well, Probably Barnsley on a Tuesday night is I, the main the thing we've got to fear from Swansea is them selling us any more players. Mm. Bissoni, Robinson. 
yeah. they're not being very. But with the window closed, we should be safe now. Hopefully, yeah, that's a good point. We traditionally don't seem to do very well against the Yorkshire team, so that would probably be the one we'll. I still haven't forgiven Barnsley for beating us in 1990, to be honest, and I haven't got over it yet. And they've not forgiven us for Derek Lilly. It's probably balanced out. Yeah. Well, they've they've got the similarly non-prolific Andy Gray up front for them now. The definition of a journeyman striker. And we're going down to that as well, aren't we? Are we planning another cider breakfast? Well, I think I'm working on the Tuesday. Or... Just going to have to go straight there. <laughs> you can, you can Some probably... serious catch-up to do on that train. <laughs> you could probably walk it back from Oakwell, though, couldn't you? Nah, cider tea. No, at five o'clock at night, you know. No, just cider breakfast is going to end very messily. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. So yeah, capable of of six points out of these two. We've probably got more to fear from Swansea because they've they've got some decent. They've got that Scott Sinclair from Chelsea, who's the archetypal pacey winger. I bet he's no Lloyd Sam, but um, <laughs> Shefki Kuki, who seems to have been around forever, just sort of being that's going to be him against Naylor. Um, I'd imagine, and you've all, you've always got to be careful because um, it is treason to kill a swan. Um, <laughs> And things can go wrong on the football field. Uh, I think that's an unfair law. Tasty bird. (laughs) (laughs) As is the Queen, who owns them. (laughs) Are we quietly confident, do we think? Now, Swansea are a bit crap away from home. They've lost to Norwich and Hull so far, but then they've had decent results at home against um, Burnley and Preston. So we we should be aiming to win that sort of game, I think, really, at home. The only the only teams we shouldn't be expecting too much from at home are the ones who are like you know fellow playoff contenders, which I don't think Swansea are really anymore this season. Barnsley, it's that. Sorry to use a Kenny Jacketism, but it's a bit of a cup final, isn't it? They're going to be wanting to be uh, all over us, so it's that old Yorkshire Derby thing, a bit unpredictable. But we should have the quality and the bloody hell, we've got the squad depth now. Although Middlesbrough probably felt they had the squad depth since Gordon Strachan's been signing every Scotsman. Available. There was no way that plan was going to go well. It was never going to go well. But you didn't think you'd be so badly they'd lose two 0 at Barnsley. I, I hate to say it, but um, I've been oh, I've been teetering on writing something about Strachan for the magazine for a season now. I'm going to call him 100% scum again, are you? Shut <laughs> up. No, um, just something along the lines of be careful what you wish for, because I think we would have bent over backwards to have Strachan as our manager at, at one point in the last ten to fifteen years. So at some point, but. Perhaps I'd, maybe he's a bit crap as a manager, dare I say it. He's got McAllister as his sidekick now, hasn't he? So, uh, Dream team. Yeah, great midfielders. But they're no Barnes and McAteer. But they're, uh... <laughs> the, the only one from our classic midfield that's not managing or assistant managing is Batty. He hates football, though. Yeah. Players, <laughs> yeah, and there's also the added scum dwarf factor in Mark Robbins as well, isn't there? That, yeah, he doubles up on the scum dwarf because he wasn't just scum scum. He played for Norwich as well, which I think is always a, a mark against... The only good thing out of Norwich is Andy Hughes. It's a shame we don't have Steve Stone, or we could have said in the next two games we're going to kill two birds with one stone. (laughs) That would have been really uh, (laughs) very very poor. What's the other bird? Robin and Swan. Oh, right. (laughs) The ones you were half half in on about? You were chirping on about? Obviously obviously (laughs) cut that out. I think that's really good. That's definitely staying. I recognise that swans are birds. (laughs) I was just confused about Barnsley. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever the results, I think, as Moscow said in the last one, we've got to just keep it in perspective a bit this year and accept we're going to lose some games and it's not the end of the world if, say, we come back and we've not taken any points from these. Maybe in the first after the first set we've taken more than we expected and it's perhaps going to be that sort of season and mid-table is actually not the end of the world for us, I don't think. We can 
tune into the next podcast to see if Michael still feels the same after walking home from a, a defeat in Barnsley. <laughs> don't get me wrong, I don't think we should accept mediocrity or anything, but it's just don't get carried away, I think, is the key part of this season. Because I think already I started the season thinking that, and then I looked at the league table after Saturday and thought, we're sixth. That's playoffs. Hang on, we're going up. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> So I did. I do. I did sing that on Saturday. Well, mid table leads are heading for mid table respectability. Doesn't scan. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be mid table, then go into administration and get ten points off us and go down. <laughs> Just for that hefty kick in the bollocks that we all need. Talking to Swansea, worth mentioning. There's uh, a new Square Ball magazine issue two for the season that's going to be out against Swansea on Saturday, the 11th of September. Possibly including an opinion piece from A Kaiser Chief. We did have Simon Ricks lined up, but he's away, isn't he, at the minute? So uh, that's right. Yeah, so. we, might, we might have to see if we can bribe one of the other ones to do one. You might have a piece from Peanut. Who knows? Uh, either way, there's going to be plenty of other great content in there. 48 page, full colour this season. Uh, it's available to buy at home games and 24 hours a day via the squareball.net forward slash shop. Uh, and don't forget, you can get the digital download option as well, which is free of any postage costs. So if you're listening to this from abroad, fancy a piece of the magazine, uh, get on there, squareball.net uh, forward slash shop, get the digital download option, just a quid an issue. Can't say fairer than that. Indeed. Any of you chaps want to uh, shoehorn anything in before we, we end this recording? Uh, any other business for this podcast? I don't know if I have to shoehorn him in because there's acres of space around him, but um, watching Stephen Craney on Match of the Day over the last couple of weeks has been... <laughs> Um, slightly painful, um, but pleasurable in the same way. Craney versus Walcott. You could, you could, you could just pack the crowds. So they don't need to put Blackpool versus Arsenal. Craney versus Walcott, and then this weekend, Ituhu. Craney versus Dixon Ituhu, who just well, just raced past him. It's um, it's upsetting to to think he was our our Bissoni at one time um, but reassuring to know that he's, he's he's committing his crimes elsewhere Speaking of slow fullbacks as well Ian Hart's going to be uh, meeting us again this season isn't he? But will it be Reading or will it be Bristol? Conflicting reports either way it's going to be uh, he's going to be no faster I'm fairly sure Well if that's everything for this one uh, no more stuff to talk about we will probably bid you farewell and head off into the night um, thanks very much for listening to the Square Ball Podcast we'll be back in a couple of weeks we'll make our minds up probably come back after the Barnsley game I think um, if you're in a fit state talk we'll be fine until then I will bid you farewell and I'll say goodbye from Michael Normanton bye bye and goodbye from Moscow White goodbye and goodbye from Oddie goodbye we will speak to you in a fortnight thanks for listening and we'll see you soon the Square Ball Podcast <coughs> just a trip up north for not ven- not just a trip up north for not many for, oh, fuck <laughs> <clears throat> it was just a trip up north Are <laughs> <laughs> you saying it was just a trip up north for not many fans <laughs> no oh. I wasn't saying that at all <clears throat> I, I believe Oddie has a point <laughs> no he hasn't <laughs> I'll never get that out Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.